What's going on? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're nice and loud. Fuck yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, dude. Man, we finally did it. <laughs> Fucking finally. Yeah, finally. Fucking finally. What shirt are you wearing today? No Savior. No Savior? Cool. No Savior. I don't know that y'all can... There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see it now. Nice. Yeah, no savior. Nice. Very cool. Well, welcome, dude. Welcome Thank you, Echo. dude. Yeah, welcome to Echoes of Elm. It's my podcast. I've done like six episodes now, and it's all centered around like, you know, kind of a specific time period in Elm. I'd say from like maybe 95 to 2005-ish. Maybe 22, right. you know, kind of that time frame is, is what I've focused on so far, but it could really be about anything from 95 to present, you know, really. So, but, uh, but yeah, dude, welcome. I'm glad you're here. We, uh, I'm glad to be here. Usually, yeah. Yeah. I like to start out usually by just going right in and ask somebody something from the beginning. Like, you know, like what was, uh, what was the first record you ever remember, you know, purchasing with your own money? Like the first record you ever bought, you know, on your own. Record, record, or CD record? Anything, tape, record, you know, any, you know. Element 80s Mercuric LP, back in 2002. Really? Yes. Wow, Element 80. Wow, that's Element Okay, sweet. Yeah, I played several shows with them years, years ago. Uh, great band. Yeah, they were fun to play with. What was that record, though, again? Sorry, the title of the album? Mercuric. It was the Mercuric LP. It was their uh, self-released LP, which became more or less a self-titled LP that you're supposed to put out, but, like, we recorded and shit. Uh, I remember my first... It wasn't my first record, but I remember my first, like, local band uh, album I ever got was Ugly Mustard on tape. <laughs> on yeah. tape, goddamn. Yeah, on cassette tape, yeah. Yeah, I kind of showing my age there. <laughs> um, yeah, that, and um, I also like to ask everybody about maybe one of their first experiences or the first show you ever saw in Elm. You know, like, what was the club? What was the band? If you remember, like, you know, your very first trip down there. It um, was... It was Curtain Club, Loud and Local with Chaz, from... The Eagle, I think. Did he work for the Eagle? Yeah. yeah. You know Chaz. Either way, it's Chaz Knight. It was his loud and local show. I think I went there to see Powder Burn from Austin because I was friends with him at that point in time. Powder Burn. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, hmm. that name. Cool. Yeah, Chaz was on the, the podcast, actually. He was... Yeah, he was the episode right before you. Uh, Fuck yeah. I, I had Chaz on here, and we, we went all over all the local show stuff and, you know, the local show CD and all the antics and everything. He's he's still hilarious to this day. He's great. Yeah. That's a pretty cool first show, though. Yeah, who all was there again? What all bands were playing? Powder Burn and some other fuckers. I, I couldn't fucking tell you, like... Oh, you don't remember, like, the openers and stuff, yeah. That was 22 years ago? yeah. I couldn't tell you like all the different bands that opened for us at all the different shows or people we opened for. Like I can, I remember some, but right. there's there's patches in there where yeah, it's gone. I don't think it's ever coming back. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that. Were you? I was curious with you because you're, as far as I know, you're the first person to come on. Um, well, I guess Chaz was on, but Chaz is still a musician. Are you a musician? Uh, do you play anything? Uh, do you sing, play guitar, anything like that? I sing horribly in the car. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm not a musician. There's no musicianship within my body at that point in time. Okay, well, I was asking because I was curious, like, when you kind of set on your path with what you wanted to do involving music, I didn't know if, like, at first you maybe wanted to be in a band or if you were always kind of wanting to be, like, on the other side of things, like the promotion side of things and helping bands get shows, you know, and... Is that something that you really wanted to do right out the gate? I bullshitted, like, try out for, like, a, a band that I was friends with, and it got nowhere because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. 
He's like, yeah, I'll be in a fucking band. Fuck yeah, I can sing. Oh, wait, no, no, the fuck I can't. Uh, well, shit. Uh, well, hey, look at that. I can do this shit, right? How did you kind of get your foot in the door at the very beginning? Like, did you, was there a guy, maybe an older guy that you kind of looked up to that kind of did the same shit that you did, the promotion stuff that maybe kind of showed you how, you know what I mean? Because there is a lot to it that people probably don't realize, you know what I mean? Like, so I mean, like, what, how did you, did, what, are you like self-taught? Did you just kind of figure it all out on your own or what? Both. It was uh, Robert Miguel from the Eagle who at that point in time was doing Screaming for Me Dallas promotions. He was only with the Eagle, but he still had all that background from the Eagle, so he knew what the fuck he was doing, at least in theory. And he right. gave me, you know, my first shot at it, helped me out. I helped him out with, you know, trying to find bands and everything. And then from there, I think I did like six months under his wing, and then started doing my own shit in the winter of. 2006. Okay. All right. I had to think, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, December is 17 years, so next this December will be 18 years, and that would be, yeah, 2006. Yeah. Was it always called a torch whenever you started it way back then? Or did it have... Yeah, it was, always, it was always torch, because he called me torch one day at Curtain Club, and that stuck with me. And, like, the first few shows are just torch presents... And then I expanded on to make it torture entertainment. So it's been torture entertainment since basically day one without it being day one. Right. Okay. Cool. Hell yeah. Robert Miguel. I remember Robert. I, I was, I think I was with Chaz more. I don't think I did as many like local show kind of deals with Robert, but I definitely remember him though. I used to listen to his shows all the time. He was a great DJ. Oh, good shows. Yeah. Um, so, what, uh, who are some of your favorite, like, local bands? I'm curious, like, you know, I know it's hard to, I don't want to say favorite, but like, you know, like, in regular rotation for you. I saw Course of Empire. I saw that you were listening to them the other day. I was like, man, that's sweet, because th those guys were awesome. Always great percussion and stuff in that band. The whole band was great, but percussion always really stood out in Course of Empire to me. Um, Course of Empire, I never got to see them live, unfortunately. Really? By yeah. the time that I got involved, they were backburnered. Like, they were kind of doing their own... Like, I met Chad over at Curtain Club after he came into the mix. And I knew of the band. Like, I've heard of the band, but I never got to see the band. Um, so they've been in rotation... Uh, obviously, Element 80. Yeah. Obviously, fucking lame. Lame. Which is lame. Yeah. Which had the best, worst marketing behind them ever because lame is lame. And if you're just a random motherfucker, you're like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a big fan of Frolic and Christian Sly. And then Bless the Broken, Never Set was huge for me. Uh, fucking uh, Redefine, who is still luckily fucking going at it. Goddamn. Uh, Black Tie Vendetta from Greenville, Dallas now, but you know. Uh, Top of them, Paco, there's, I mean, there's so many fucking bands I could name. I could be here all day doing that. Oh, a lot of good ones, yeah. Redefine, their drummer, Jason. Uh, I've known Jason for many, many years, like decades, and we've <laughs> always been working on a, a prog project called air to madness that we've never really got off the ground yet but right. i'm hoping that we're able to make some progress on that yeah jason he's great man he's not only a great drummer for them for redefine but he can like change roles and jump up to front man and guitar like nothing you know and do it just as great as drums which blows me away i can't play and sing you know i don't go anywhere near the mic <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, there's musicians I know who can do both, but can't do both good. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Especially if you got really tough riffage going, you know, really fast and everything, and then you, you got to concentrate on the vocal part, too. Ugh. Yeah. There was another band you mentioned just a few before Redefine. Oh, 
which one was it? Uh, uh, never set. No, no, not never set. Um, Bless the broken. Back. Nope, not rest the broken. <laughs> <laughs> Frolic. Yes, I'm sorry. That's it. Frolic. I was Frolic. just going to say that was actually my first ever Elm show, and Jason from Redefine was actually the one who took me down there, kind of drug me down there. I was only like 16 or 17 at the time, and I went down there and we saw we saw Frolic, and I was I think it was at Trees, yeah. Frolic at Trees. It's a great show. I was blown away by it. That was kind of what got me hooked and made me want to keep going down there and play shows of my own. Yeah. I miss Elm a lot. <clears throat> uh, I was there not long ago, but it's it's a fucking different creature now than what it used to be. Have you ever uh, kind of gone in the production side of things with any bands and, like, you know, gone in with them and when they recorded albums and kind of helped them and get, you know... Maybe not even on the recording side of things, maybe like on like getting packaging done and the artwork and all that kind of stuff. Do you ever do you ever go in and help them with any of that? I worked with a band called Saint the Slave out of uh, the Quinlan area. Mm -hmm. And I helped them get their first EP done like they had. a. We all have I went to a, a Zen friend's house to do it with them. And I was just there like I'm just like I'm not involved, but I'm here to help you out. You know, like you need to bring in shit for you. I will. Yeah, and there was a mix-up on the tracking of it. So like we had bought a whole bunch of CDs, got it produced, and it's like, wait a minute, song two and four should have been four and two. <laughs> they go back and like redo the tracking on that shit, and it, it fucked everything up. But we got it done. And then Cyhereth uh, out of Irving slash Dallas, I got them in with Regus of uh, at that point in time, I believe he was with Secret of Boris, but he might have been with Immense. He's been to so many fucking bands, it's hard to say. Oh, and I got them true. just, like, you know, in touch with each other. Like, hey, you know, this is my guy, Regis, will take care of you. These are right. my dudes, take care of them, you know. Man, those steps are important, man. They really are, you know, because, you know, just just knowing the right people a lot of times, you know, or, or having a friend that knows the right person. I mean, that, that helps tremendously. Because, like I said, a lot of us are so bad at that side of that, of that you know, those things, you know, like so introverted sometimes. <laughs> So, I like to I like to think that I can you know get you where the fuck you need to be. If it's something that I can't do, somebody I know can do it for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got my guitars back there behind me. Yeah. Got my uh, my two Paul Reed Smiths. <laughs> got a Donable here for drop heavy stuff. Then I got my two acoustics, a uh, six string acoustic and a twelve string. Uh, I upgraded to a Kemper recently too, man. That Kemper is insane. It's like the <laughs> nicest—it's the nicest amp I've ever played on, and the way that it profiles other amplifiers and mimics them, replicates them perfectly—it's—it's it's insane. You know, I mean, I'm used to just having a regular old plug it in and go tube amp. But this thing—this <laughs> thing is like crazy. It's able to replicate any amplifier, and it replicates it well, like really well. It sounds just fucking like it, you know. Like you can have a I like this pedal board right here. It's got a Marshall queued up, a Mesa. It's got a fucking crank, just like Dimebag. I've got Dimebag's rig queued up right here. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, it's sweet, yeah. Speaking of Dimebag, I mean, golly, well, yeah. did you ever, did you ever get to meet him when, uh, in Ellum? Like, because I know he. Was I met him. Yeah, it was 2003 at Trees. It was Typo Native and Lacuna Coil on tour. Oh, love I met Typo. him and Vinny. And then CJ from Giant Pole was also out at the same fucking time. And this was post-Pantera transitioning into what became Damage Plan. Mm. Like, at that point, it was not called Damage Plan. It was called something the fuck else. Right. And it was right. just like, you know, a quick little fucking, you know, hey, how the fuck are you? Good to see you. Let me get a fucking picture kind of the situation. Yeah. But him and Vinny were both fucking chill about everything. And then CJ was fucking chill about everything, too. So, like, I've, you know, known CJ for years, but, like... Right. Like, if I see him, I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? You know, whatever. Man, those but, old, drowning, those early Drowning Pool shows, um, there were certain ones with Dave I got to see. It was before they really hit and really mm -hmm. blew up. There was a... A record they did right before, like, Center, and I think it had, like, 
a bunch of pills being dangled down from the ceiling and there were like hands reaching up for them, something like that. And it said drowning pool. I don't remember what it was called, but I think they were playing that live at the curtain club, that record. And, uh, I just remember Dave coming out. Do you remember when he used to have that big snow shovel? No, I never got to see them live with Dave, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. Um, man, he would come out with this big giant snow shovel and they would play this riff that was kind of like, you know, it had this kind of propulsion to it. He would come walking out with that big snow shovel and everybody knew, you know, and he'd come and he would just like ring it into something on the stage and it would, the way it would kind of echo, there was some kind of echo when it would happen with James, the sound guy would make something cool happen when it would hit. And man, it was, it was just so badass. It was the simplest thing, but, I always loved his stage presence. Like that dude, uh, more moreover than anybody else that I've seen at that time. That guy, I mean, he there was. I know why he was called stage. I mean, I get it. <laughs> you know, he, that's what he I was supposed to. Yeah. I was supposed to see him at Ozfest before he fucking died. Like I got tickets for Ozfest, and then uh, like uh, he died right before Dallas. So I was like, oh, you son of a bitch! Like. <sighs> Like, he was, like, the reason I was going. I wanted to see fucking Giant Pole, you know? And then, unfortunately, he had to pass away. And I was like, well, shit. And then we got Methods of Mayhem with Tommy Lee. And I'm like, I just don't want to fucking see this. Right. Especially after something like that. Yeah, it's it's just... I'm sure you were just distraught, first of all, just from Dave being gone, you know, let alone the show. But, you know, it's like, how can you enjoy a show after something like that? Happened. Oh no, the show was great. I just didn't want to see fucking Tommy Lee. Ah, okay. Like I, I just not, I didn't care for that band. Right. That was when Tommy Lee tried to slide into new metal, right? Like he tried to like Vanilla Ice did it too. They both tried that. Tried to hey, let's just try to notch our way right into new metal here. That's <laughs> a lot of what the fuck it was. Like we know you can drum, but you can't really sing and play guitar. Like you, you probably shouldn't do that. But, you know, he tried. Oh, Justin Watkins. Yeah, you know, Justin, he was on here, too. He was episode five. I think you're episode yeah. seven. Yeah. Yeah, he was with Down to Zero when I met him, but I knew of his other projects. Okay, okay. Those guys, Down to Zero, uh, basically took that band, and and now it's it's that band except the new guitar player, which is me. And right. we were called Burn the Negative. Um, right. So that's what we're working on. It's me. Justin, Michael Norwood, and then uh, Jacob, the drummer for uh, Down to Zero. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're great players, man. They're so fun to play with. Like, then we've got this high energy metal music. Within one year, we wrote 12 songs together. I mean, it just like clicked, you know. I mean, <laughs> the first day we walked away with like two songs. But yeah, sorry. Uh, Down to no, Zero. You're good. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I never got to see Down to Zero. I wasn't hanging with Justin around that time, and I wish I could have seen them. Uh, did you get to see him quite a bit? I booked a couple of their shows for them, and then uh, my boy Big Anthony booked a couple of their shows for them as well. So, like, I was always around. Yeah. Uh, Justin always references a full devil jacket show that they played. I don't know if you remember that <laughs> one where they played with full devil jacket. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I was not at that one, but I heard things. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, that night that Dave got on stage and uh, sang with us, apparently, from what I was told, I didn't see him there, but I was told from many of my friends that Daryl was at the bar that night, I think, with like CJ. And Daryl yeah. would come, I know Daryl would kind of sneak in like that and come and watch just random Ellen bands. You know, he'd come in and kind of just go over, sit at the bar and just watch bands all night, you know. Uh, I saw him, I did see him several times like in the early 2000s, around like 2001, 2, and 3. I saw him numerous times at Curtain Club. Uh, I was always too scared to go up and say something to him, though, because, man, the guy like the guy was my guitar hero. I didn't know right. what. You know, I didn't want to be that guy and walk up and be like, dude, you know, because I know he's been, that he's heard it like 10 million times already, you know, so. I just, no, he was, he was honestly like very fucking humble with everything. Like he knows who the fuck he was. Right. And what he's about, but it's like you know, if you just say like, "Hey, man, you know, it's good to see you," whatever. Right. He right. About it, he didn't care. Uh, 
I got met Incubus. I got to meet Incubus when they were on the Make Yourself tour. Nice. And uh, so fucking nervous. Uh, Mike and Brandon, they were like really cool and talked to me for a minute. I remember the bass player, uh, Dirk, he was too busy signing titties and stuff. Like, he didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> like, yeah. The way I had this great hookup back then, and it was in Deep Elm. Uh, we had a buddy who ran uh, security at Deep Elm Live, a lot of those great Deep Elm Live shows in the late 90s and early 2000s. We worked at Blockbuster Video. So we had this like coupon for free videos. So we would trade free videos to him. And then when we would go to the show, we still had to pay for the ticket. But when we got in, show was over. He, they're kicking everybody out. He would come up and like put his arm in front of us and be like, no, they're staying. And they would right. kick everybody out, close the door. And then there we were hanging with Incubus and they would come out and get a drink at the bar and stuff. You're just supposed to walk up and say hi to them and kind of like a meet and greet kind of thing. But I was awkward as hell though. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I was only like 19. I mean, it was ridiculous. But uh, uh, Deep Ellum Live, I would say, I love Curtain Club and I love Trees. But Deep Ellum Live was probably my other favorite like venue. It was a little bit bigger, and I saw a lot of rad shows there, a lot. <clears throat> Do you remember Deep Ellum Live? <laughs> I was, uh, when I came into the scene, it didn't exist. Like, I think it was closing as I was getting involved. Okay. But I have a DVD, a Super Joint Ritual, at Deep Ellum Live. Yes. <laughs> And then now it's called the studio at the factory versus Canton Hall. And I think it's the fucking dumbest thing, but fuck you going to do. Dude, fucking super joint ritual, man. That home video they put out, it just felt, it felt so like perfect. It felt like an extension of all the Pantera home videos. You know, it was, it was perfect in my view. Like I thought it was great. What's your opinion on the, uh, the Pantera reunion thing? I think it's great. I love that they're doing it. I've heard so many people talk negative about it, but it's like, obviously, um, the fucking show must go on. And it's not Joe from the fucking street. It's Zach Wilde, who has a fucking history. Yeah. And fucking Charlie Bennett, who has a fucking history. Like, they play with so many shows with Anthrax and Ozzy and Black Label that it's like... And Daryl played, uh, played on Anthrax records. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, if you're going to do a reunion, I don't know that you'd call it a reunion per se, but it is what the fuck it is. At least you brought in the fucking big guns for it. Yeah. Like you brought in two of the baddest people that could play your shit. So it's like, you know, if you're going to fucking do it, do it with guys that you know will play your shit, right? And that's yeah. kind of, you know, I haven't seen it because it's expensive to go fucking see Pantera, but yeah, I didn't get if I can get in somewhere, I will. Dude, the tickets are insane. I looked up tickets to go to the Metallica Pantera show. I heard. Once, yeah, once I saw what they were, I was like, never mind. You know, just... Happens. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I was looking at. Like, I looked at it like, okay, how much is O? Oh, oh. Let me go rob a fucking bank real quick and then look into that because otherwise... <laughs> I saw Pantera in 1995 at the Fair Park Coliseum on the Far Beyond Driven Tour for $14 plus a service charge, Ticketmaster. Damn. General admission on the floor, you know, just wherever you wanted to go. Yeah. yeah. And that show, I was only 15. I had to be like, I, I had to have uh, one of my dad's friends went with me because he was like, I don't want to listen to that shit. You know, buddy <laughs> was more into like Ted Nugent and shit. You know, that was like the heaviest thing he was used to. And dude, like Far Beyond Driven was their heaviest record, I think, by far. Like, and that was when they were just at their peak. And dude, they came out and destroyed Fair Park Coliseum. I mean, just leveled that place. Like that, those pits were insane. Like three pits running at all times. And, you know, I mean, it was a ho ice hockey arena. And they started pulling yeah. up, you know, they started pulling up all the boards and sliding oh, the and fucking, you know, the, the ice. And it was, it was nuts. Yeah. But oh fucking god, yeah. I mean that that's a very vivid memory for me. I saw at the same place. I also saw. Uh, oh, it was that night actually. Typo Negative opened the show. When oh fuck got, yeah. Yeah, when I got there, I'll never forget it. They were right in the middle of Too Late for Apologies. So like right when I walked into Fair Park uh, Coliseum, it was Too Late for Apologies. You know that one song uh, off of Bloody Kisses. Yeah. Uh, just bloody that. 
I, I wish I could have seen them more because, man, I love, I love Typo. Typo has always been one of my favorites. I saw I them once, and I was like, okay, cool, let's do this again. And then, you know, Peter died. <sighs> yeah. Peter and Daryl being gone, oh, man, it hurts. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. Both of those really affected me. <clears throat> no doubt about it. So what's uh, what are your uh, I guess what are your future plans right now? You got anything you want to talk about? Anything in the works that you might want to, you know, let anybody know about, or any shows you want to talk about coming up? So anything many about, shows. So about, many shows. Right. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> I have February eighteenth at Growl Records in Arlington with Isle of Isle, your project. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a Sunday early fucking show because Growl has to close early. I don't ask fucking questions. Sure. Uh, that's Earworm, Isle of Lyle. Where is my fucking flyer? Did I send you the fucking flyer? I don't know if I did or not. Uh, I sent somebody the fucking flyer either way. Flower. Hold on. Uh, corpse Flower. Yeah. Descent. Yeah, Descent. Uh, Verenum. Goddamn. <laughs> Verminosis. Yeah, yeah. That was going to say there's a few that are kind of hard to read. Yeah. That's how it is, though. The, the harder to read, the better they are. No, I like the look of that. I actually want to, I'd like to create some Isle of Isle shirts that are kind of in that style or vein with some crazy colors. I need I need to get help uh, getting started on merch. That's one thing Wait, I'm you that on right now. Cool. I have a guy for that. So you know. Sweet, sweet. I picked up January 26th at Haltom because Chaz had it open. Just a heavy mixed bill. And then I picked up uh, Sunday, February 11th for Torchfest Winter Edition because I took the concept of Torchfest was supposed to be a show or a weekend around August for my birthday. And I did one on the 4th. I did a show on the 4th with Transient out of... Uh, Louisiana, out of like the Shreveport area. I think they're from, I don't know, they're from Louisiana somewhere, whatever. And it, like, I was like, okay, cool, let me book something else, you know, for Torch Fest. And the timing was so fucking just not there. I was like, okay, yes, yeah, you know, it is what the fuck it is, right? Eh, whatever. Yeah. So I grabbed uh, November 18th from Chaz. And I was working on it and talking to him. I was like, oh, hey, I have the side stage open too. I was like, oh, no shit, you're the side stage open, you know what? Okay, let's do it. Let's take the fucking side stage where we're at it. I'll make it Torch Fest. Make it the uh, fall edition because it's November. It's pre-Thanksgiving, so it's still technically fall. Okay. And I was right. like, you know what? Why don't we do this like seasonal? So like four big shows a year. Winter, spring, summer, fall, you know. Yeah, that's great. That's a great And idea. bring in somebody, you know regional or like local but big so like i have plans of bringing in some big names this year who i can't discuss for reasons because i don't have dates for them yet and shit but it's like i want to make it like a, a big local but small like halton holds like 1200 people yeah so it's like yeah. let me put something in halton where i can back it the fuck out i have a fucking good time doing it Sweet. And like my, you know, my my expenses for that are so fucking cheap that I can do everything I need to do and pay everybody fucking great at the same fucking time. Yeah. Um, Torch Fest. So the one you're referring to, that's far down the road. Then that's not until later in the year, towards uh, February 11th. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's the first one of the year. And then I'm gonna put something April, May, probably. All right. Hey, I gotta hey, get a date. I'd like to play one of them. Uh, I got one you of, one of them, I promise. Okay, cool. Love to. I like those because it, it I get introduced to a lot of different bands, you know, and it's cool oh. to hear a lot of different bands. That's how I found uh, Dreadland. I still want to play with yeah. them again, man. Dreadland is sick, dude, man. They they threw down that night. That was There's something. Show. I've gone, I've known Charles for a hot minute, so, like, I've helped him move and shit, so we've always been good. Nice. How long we've been running? Thirty-four minutes. Hmm. Yeah, we got time. Yeah, we good. And I think where we, where we can go next. 
I got one. Mm-hmm. I was at fucking Echo Lounge in uh, October for the Acacia Strange show for Frozen Soul. Yeah. It was Frozen Soul's little festival that they were doing. And I ran into Smitty from Razorblade Dolls. A guy who I've known and for fucking years because of who the fuck he is and what the fuck he did in the scene. We had a nice five, seven, ten minute, I don't fucking know, conversation about did you do the work? And, you know, that's a very broad question, but did you do the work? Are you in a band? Yes, obviously, we know that you're in a band. But are you playing a show at a venue somewhere in Texas, Earth? Obviously, yes. So, like, you know, so the question is, did you do the work? And that is referring to what are you as an individual slash band doing to put out your product? to get the asses in the fucking venue. Because, like, as a promoter, I can only do so much. I'm only one motherfucker. Last I checked. If, if there's more than me, please let me know so I can round them the fuck up and, like, the fuck y'all doing. But, like, there's there's too many bands out there who think, you know, oh, I booked a show. Cool. Uh, I'll put up on Facebook today that I booked a show. And I'm going to tell you again a week before the show, and I've done my job. I was like, that's, that's not your job. You need to be, you know, constantly fucking not harassing, not spamming, but talking about it. Letting people know that you're playing a fucking show at whatever fucking venue. Because, like, people like me look at your shit. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, we want to play your shit. It's like, okay, cool. Um, You played a show, you know, two and a half months ago in town. And uh, I was there by pure dumb luck and nobody was fucking there to see you. Like, what the fuck was it, dude? Like, did you just not promote? Like, what the fuck was it, you know? Yeah. Versus, hey, man, I want to do a show. And she was like, oh, yeah, I saw your last show. I saw that you hustled the fuck out of it. I saw flyers for you specifically at the fucking venue. Your crowd wasn't there. It happens. But at least I know that you're putting forth the effort yeah. versus yeah. just, you know, oh, hey, I got a show. Yeah, you should be there. Yeah. So, like, and again, this is me and Chris from Razorblade Dolls just talking over a fucking beer just like did you put in the work and if you didn't why the fuck not like i get that people like you don't live close you have kids you have a wife you have a day job but there's so many different avenues and approaches to getting your shit out there at the same fucking time and it's like hey i have a show over here who do i know that i can get out and about to put up flyers for me to go to the venue or venues and pass out flyers and demos and shit like that. Who the fuck do I know? Yeah. Versus, you know, just sitting at home. Oh, yeah, well, I got a wife and kid at home. I'm glad that you do. But you still have a job as a musician to, you know, push your product to the masses and see what the fuck happens with it. Nikoa Arnold. Okay, and a core basic boy. He's been in so many fucking bands. He has a new project called The Funeral Procession. The Funeral Procession, excuse me, that's a mouthful. And we're looking at a fucking June release for them. And he's like, let's do some shit. I'm like, we're going to do some shit. So, you know, it, it's very much. I have friends that I've known for years who are like, hey, look, I know that you're putting in the work. You're doing the hustle. You're on the grind. I have a project. It's release ready. Like, he gave me. We did lunch the other day to talk about a, a business adventure that he's invested in. And he played like three songs off of their album. And I'm like, brah, this is, let's do this shit. Like, let's make this shit happen, you know? So, like, it's always good to hear, like, oh, hey, you know me from Samsara. This is my new project, but it's Samsara with a different name. Yeah. Let's, yeah. you know, make shit happen. Uh, Burn the Native is, like you said, down to zero, but switched out you with somebody else, or somebody else with you, rather. Yep. And it's the same basic guys, but different at the same time. So it's like, let's do this shit. I, I'm all for musicians, you know, for bands ending, unfortunately, to reignite that spark and be like, hey, man, you want to do this shit with me? Like, he can't make it. He can't commit to it. It is what the fuck it is. There's no bad blood, but you want to do this shit, make it something else? That's basically the, the conversation Justin and I had. I was like, hey, because we, we initially tried to bring back our old, old band outlet, bring that band back together, but that failed. So we were like, well, fuck it. Let's just me and you do something new. 
And that's when he uh-huh. goes, you know, he goes, I know two guys. And he was talking about Mike, talking about Mike <laughs> from uh, down to zero. I got a few guys. Yeah. Like I know somebody. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And man, did he ever, because they're a great rhythm section. They really are. Like I got a whole ass band behind me that needs a guitar player. What do you know? Oh, and speaking of keyboard players, I miss fucking Bond from Lame because he had that double keyboard. Oh, yeah. And there was a show at Curtain where he forgot one of them. He's like, I don't have time to go back home. And he's like, fuck, do I do it? Like, just fucking play as is, dude. Like, fucking wing it. Like, it'll sound funky, but it'll add that much more to the set because it's such an oops, I fucked up situation. You know what? Some of the best riffs ever for me have coming out of have come out of oops situations. You know where I wasn't even trying, where I wasn't even trying to come up with something cool. That's usually where some of the magic pops out. I mean, I mean that's how the fuck it is. Like, there's so many people that I know that have just you know scratch files. Like, hey, what is this? This is me fucking up. Yeah. Uh, Redefine has a song called "Fucking Diver Down." It was Chris and uh, Matt fucking around one day. Yeah. Like, what is this? We, we were fucking noodling. Okay, cool. Like, add on to it, you know, like, make that shit work. Yeah. And I was like, this shouldn't work, but it's just noodles, but it works, because it's not seriously, like, it's, you know, they're serious musicians, but they take it seriously as, like, that's fucking around. What do you want? Yeah, I like their videos, man. Uh, Redefine, the videos yeah. they do on social media and stuff, they're so funny, man. And they're getting better, I mean, we're, getting better on it, too. We're in a very digital centric age where if you're not putting out like you can put out a video saying hey I'm Gary with Isle of Isle I have a show at Growl February 18th you should be there cool it's to the point but at the same fucking time if you're doing something fucking dumb but like entertaining on purpose you're like the fuck am I watching oh okay yeah I can do that what the fuck okay yeah like what are you guys on I want to get some of that. Yeah, I'd appreciate the comedy angle. Yeah. I know I do, because I don't see, like, any other bands doing that. There's a few, but, like, it it takes the right people to have that, like, comedic angle, where it's not, like, overly cheesy, but it's overly cheesy. Yeah, yeah. That's a fine line, ain't it? (laughs) Yeah, you gotta tell that line. You gotta figure out where the fuck you stand on that. And, like, okay. Redefine walks it with confidence, and they do great. Yeah, <laughs> they do. I'm proud of Fucking them. Fall down, I believe it. That's been my go-to for them for years. They do something stupid, and I'll just comment on that. Fall yeah. down, I believe. And Chris is like, what are you fucking doing? I'm like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a song. You know what the fuck it is. Like, play that shit for me one day. I mean, there, there's legit so many bands from the days that I would love to see get back together and do more shows. And there's like, you know, we can't, but I would love to. It was like, I get you, but you should. <clears throat> do you remember, uh, well, I'm sure you do, Loaded Moses. Oh, um, <clears throat> Alex's wife, Zoe, is a friend of mine <clears throat> and works for the same fucking company I work for, coincidentally. Really? Help me get my job by pure like by pure hey he's fucking good at what the fuck he does so. Oh okay. Man, I, that, I play yeah. them at work a lot like I play all of Alex's projects, Loaded Moses and Memory of Man, Erstwhile. I play Royal Sons when I can when when the mood is right you know. Yeah. Oh, he's in Royal Sons. Uh, Chad and uh, Johnny are from okay. Loaded Moses. All right. Like they started loaded Moses, Laverton and loaded Moses. That ended. Started uh, in memory of man together, and that branched off into Earthwild and Royal Sons, which are like over the fuck here, like way the fuck musically, like so many fucking different directions. It's like yeah, one's like old school southern rock, and then Earthwild is like more attuned to what loaded Moses was doing. Earthwild, uh, that's got a buddy of mine in it too. Uh... The guitar player Sam McCrory, yeah. Oh, big old Sam, native Sam. <laughs> yeah, I know him from the Low Gear days when he was in Low Gear, and we. Sam, would, I we, am. 
uh, Low Gear and Samsara would play a lot of shows together. So, yeah. Yeah, he's back in Low Gear actually, yep. or at least yep. he was when I saw him play last. I think Low Gear might be writing or hiatus or some shit. I don't fucking know. You know how that, that shit goes. That uh, track they did recently, uh, the cover Mexican Radio. That shit was dope, dude. It sounded so cool. I thought it was catchy as hell. I liked it. <clears throat> did you hear that? Their cover of that? I'm pretty sure I fucking did. I'll listen to it again if I need to. Look it up, though, man. The drums on it are really cool. Like, the, the percussion idea on that that they decided to go with is actually really cool. Yeah. And Sam's yeah. guitar sound killer. Sam's got a nice home studio going on. He's always posting pics of it. Also oh, no, he just moved into his fucking new house not long ago and, like, got everything that he could in there. I was like, that's if you're going to spend that money, go big, because this is Texas. Right, yeah. Shit, my studio is like a little pantry. It's tiny. In here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for you, it's all you fucking need, honestly. It is, yeah. I'll be able to graduate to at least a bedroom here pretty soon. One day. I got, I got a kid going off to college, so... I'm like, oh, yeah. I turn that room into a studio. <laughs> once he's gone, once he's out the house, it's yours. Fuck it. Yeah. Got one in the Navy already. Second one is leaving this summer. My uh, daughter is going out. So, yeah, my son's doing really good in the Navy, though. I'm super proud of him. He's kind of blow blown me away because all he did before he left was play video games. So, he went from. <laughs> Went from that to boot camp, so I'm like, damn, all right. Yeah. He's still young. Sometimes it, sometimes that's what it takes, though. Like, that boot camp experience can fucking make you or break you. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, uh, when it comes to Alan, man, like, I mean, I didn't really venture to too many different places. I like, right, I had, right. I had like curtain, and then we mm -hmm. go. We're gonna we go over down to the other street, Elm or whatever, and go down to trees. Yep. And galaxy, you know. We oh, galaxy. galaxy. Go to yeah. And galaxy. Braxton Henry ran sound at Galaxy, and then James from Porn Lab he ran sound at Curtain Look a Curtain Club. Do you remember Porn yeah, Lab? Yeah, I know the band Porn Lab. Oh man, Porn Lab, another badass band. One of my personal favorites. <clears throat> yeah, James was there for a hot minute. Then he had some issues with the venue and left. And Chad came in from Course of Empire. Ah, uh, that's right. I forgot Chaz, uh, Chad came in after that. Yeah, they had that place sounded so good, man. I mean, uh, God. so good. Yeah, the shows there. I mean, God, I even saw Nickelback in there one night way back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know. I know. But no, they actually sounded really good, and Chad Kroger was super nice to everybody at the bar. I mean, he was he was a nice guy. But yeah, that's, good that's what all I can say about Nickelback is they at least sounded good, you know, even way back then. <clears throat> Sometimes that's all you can say. Yeah. Uh, Deep Ellum Live shows that I saw uh, in a certain small t frame of time: Ultra Spank, Static X. Mudvayne, uh, Kitty, Factory, Kitty. Yeah, Factory 81, uh, Head P.E., uh, Nothing Face. I saw Head P.E. at Trees not, well, forever ago, it seems like. And no. when I saw God. Mudvayne, it was for LD50. It was on, they were still on that, that tour. Yeah. Yeah. That initial tour. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were some great shows. Um, Slipknot down there in Deep Elm Live. And they were ridiculous because there were so, <laughs> many, so many of them on that little bitty stage. Yeah. Uh, oh, I bet they hated that, but I'm sure they had fun at the same time. Right. Yeah. Static X was great there. Six Feet Under. Uh, saw Danzig there. Uh, disturbed, actually, before they were, you know, like right when they were starting to get big. Uh, I saw them there. I got a story for you. It was... It wasn't long ago. It was a band called Defiance out of Cleveland. I saw them a few times at Tomcat, so it was within the last 10 years because Tomcat existed. 
irrelevant. But like, I met the singer, I met the whole band. We've all been cool, whatever, you know. Yeah. Rustin Luther yeah. called me one day. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, I ain't doing shit. What's up? You want to take a show? I was like, I don't fucking know. What's up? Like, well, I got a fine. It's on the line. Their agent needs a date. I don't have... I'm booked that day. I can't do shit that day. Do you want the fucking show? I was like, this is a fine. Fuck it. Let's go. Okay. Got me all the information. Everything booked. It was them and Glamour the Kill from the UK. Glamour had a visa issue. Couldn't make it after all. I'm like, okay. I just saved money. No big deal. Cool. So then I'm going to make some really hot fucking barbecue. Got some fucking barbecue from local spot in town. Got them situated upstairs at the fucking, like, upstairs in the fucking, uh, balcony and i was like yo where the fuck is dennis at the singer he's like oh he's at fucking a coffee shop handling business he's our tour manager because we don't want to pay nobody he'll be here later i'm like all right bet cool you know no big deal so a couple hours go by i'm at the fucking bar getting a beer and uh dennis walked over he's like hey man what's going on i was like oh hey he's like, hey man do you know the fucking promoters and i was like yeah hold on let me get in for you put my beer down turned around i'm like hey How's it going? He's like, oh, you, it's you. I was like, yeah, what's going on? And he just laughed at me. He's like, oh, hey, it's nice to meet you, like, officially tonight. And I was like, yeah. So it was like, it was nice to see him, like, having no idea about being like, oh, no shit. That's why you're here. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's why you're here. Okay. That uh, makes sense. Okay, yeah. Like, what do you want? You know, let me take care of it for you. Shit, it all makes sense now. It doesn't it, though? Damn. <laughs> Man. But yeah, I think uh I don't know. I I wanna go down and check out Ellen, but I'm almost like a little bit afraid to. I don't even want to see what Curtain Club looks like now. I've heard it's I've heard it's like a fancy restaurant or something. It's like a fancy Asian chicken joint. Oh. Alright. Yeah. Man. Trust me, I I don't like to see it when I get down there. I was like all right, well, the snow shovel, Dave, with the snow shovel I was talking about earlier, and Dragon yeah. that's where that happened at, at at Curtain Club. So that's yeah. what that is now. It's a restaurant now. Man, I, I die a little inside thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think anybody down there, like, often and actively dies every time they see that shit because it's like, this used to be uh -oh. Curtain Club. This used to be the fucking spot. Right. I mean, like, I saw fucking Fair to Midland technically outside Curtain Club in the, per in the uh, off of Crowd, it's in the street, but it was a Curtain Club show. I'm glad you mentioned During, that. Uh, Texas OU weekend, I don't know how many years, a thousand years ago, it fucking feels like, but you know. Out of nowhere, in the Samsara days, we started, like, opening for this crazy band called Fair to Midland. And <laughs> I just remember, like, I think Andrew, the singer, and the dude, like, yeah. the thing he would do with his throat when he would sing. And then, like, the guitar player, I don't know, maybe Cody. I can't remember if I had the name right or not. But I remember, like, frizzy hair, like, like really, like, big hair. And, like, he always had cool vintage-looking gear. And uh, I found their record, uh, The Carbon Copy, Silver Lining. And uh, it was, like, one of their early, early ones. And... We got to play a lot of shows with them in their early stages before they kind of went off and did Coachella the first time and all that. Uh, right, right. But uh, I loved them. I thought they were really, really original. Like, really solid players, too. Uh, kind of in the same vein to me as, like, at the drive-in, I would say. Oh, I love at the drive-in. Oh, I know, dude. <laughs> I know whenever, like, they're at, whenever I'm out and somebody plays the Delta soundboard and shit, I was like, oh, thank you. Just... Like, let me just stay here for five minutes real quick. Hold the fuck on. Uh, yeah. That guitar work on that record is so violent and also just beautiful at the same time. It's incredible. Yeah, that That's going on my fucking Spotify as soon as I get off this fucking podcast. That's for sure. I, like, goddamn. I wouldn't mind listening to uh, One Arm Scissor and a few others right now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I want to get with you on your whoever you think is best for merch and then also uh, flyer printing and stuff. I'd like to get with you on both of those. Yeah. Well, talk. You know how to get a hold of me, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, I think that's, I guess that about wraps it up. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to some uh, One Arm Scissor for a little bit.
before. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. I'm glad I finally got to talk to you for a little bit. And we should do like another group episode at some point because a couple of bands, uh, Sam's band, Low Gear, wanted to do a group episode mm-hmm. with like the singer of Low Gear, uh, Roach. Uh, Roach. Yeah. And then there was another band that had mentioned it too. Uh, Rojo, the band that he's in. Uh, shit. What is the name of that band? Crankfish? Yes, Crankfish. Yeah. The guy from Crankfish <laughs> was talking to me about possibly doing because I wanted to get him on. He was one of my next ideas uh, as a guest. So I wanted to get Rojo on here. And he mentioned the same thing, getting his singer to come on. So Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to do some kind of a group episode or maybe one of your bands that, you know, that I don't know about that you could maybe introduce me to. I mean, we could do a group episode or something like that. I got you. Just, you. Yeah. Where you can still partake in a few uh, future ones. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that for sure. Hopefully I'm not rambling. Sorry. So, I, yeah. I do it all the fucking time. Don't worry. All right. Cool. Well, man, it. I think the flow on it was really good, man. So I, I really appreciate you talking to me. I enjoyed it. Always a pleasure. Always a fucking pleasure. We'll do it again.